love those stories. Uh, Peyton's stories are pretty funny, aren't they? It's like he expects the supernatural to show up when he actually prays and feels something. You know, it's, it's so refreshing, and I just love that God's still in the healing business. Um, everybody have a good Christmas? Awesome, awesome. I tell you what, right before, it's kind of weird in the middle of the week, right? It messes everybody up. I, I actually thought, like, Wednesday was Saturday, and so I just messed me up all week. Tonight I want to talk about something that is dear to my heart. Um, if you've been here over, if you over, if you've heard me preach once, then you'll know this is dear to my heart. If you've been here for years or months, then you'll know this is one of my favorite topics. It's a passion. Um, last week, I got to, pr- uh, during the Christmas deal, I got to pray for the, the young ones in the church. I want to talk about the next generation. I want to talk about passing off the, to the next generation the torch, the fire. And I'm going to go in and out of not just the church, the kingdom of God. I'm going to go in and out of our families. I'm going to go in and out of our businesses. That when God does something, he does something in all aspects of our life. He's just not saying, hey, what are, you, are you just passing down the gospel? It's what are you doing in the succession of your business? What are you doing in the succession of your children? What are they taking into their children? What is it that we're passing down because it was important to God? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Saul, David, Absalom. Then you get into the prophets. Then you get in the New Testament. You get to Tim- Paul and Timothy, which is my favorite story. Paul actually writes the second book of 2 Timothy based off the fact that he knows he's about to die. And he's saying, these are the things that I want you to know. It was important to God of how we hand things off to the next generation. And listen, I'm not just saying the next generation. I'm going to go in and out of age, too, because I'm not talking about just where you are in age, I'm going to talk about that, but I'm also talking about in maturity, spiritual maturity, emotional, which I talked about three weeks ago, that you can be 55 and be mature in age, but spiritually, emotionally, and relationally immature. Amen? Okay. And you can be 20 and be emotionally, relationally, and spiritually mature. And so that's the thing about when you're dealing with actual age and the spirit, they kind of cross. And so I'm going to try to keep you guys with me because it's really important that for this, for this message that we understand kind of what I'm talking about. How do we pass spiritual maturity and fire to the next generation? You know, I believe that 2020 is going to be a year for the body of Christ because of what I'm about to talk about, that vulnerability, transparency, that this openness in Christ is going to be the most important thing that we do. Because what we've done so well is educate people and teach people the gospel. What we haven't done well is transferring to the younger generation this vulnerability, this transparency in Christ. That you can be in Christ and actually open yourself up, you know, like Christy did up here. That it actually, when you open yourself up to what the gospel has actually done in your life, that that's where the anointing lies. That's where the power comes from. That's where lives are transformed. Because when we don't, all we do is stuck with memorized scripture in our head, and we can't pass that off to the next generation. And I believe that's one of the issues that I've seen in the church. Can we be authentic and still be in Christ? I believe we do. Are you over there? Let's pop the first one up. The Barner Group. How many know who the Barner Group is? Okay, Christian surveys. This is the, the Bible for surveying the health of the church. 
Well, the Barner Group did some surveys, and I, though I'm going to talk about the 18 to 35-year-olds, that's not the only age group that I'm talking about when I get to certain topics. But I wanted to show you the 18 and 35-year-olds are, as, from an age group perspective, are the next generation. The next generation of leaders, the next generation of prophets, apostles, you know, teachers, evangelists, pastors. They're the next set of people that are coming in to take what we have and give to the next generation. And to eight, only of 18 to 35-year-olds, and I'm, I'm, it's not on this slide, but I want to give you this stat. 14% of them say they attend because someone cares deeply about them. That's why they attend church. That's 14% because someone cares deeply about them. 82% say there's a leadership crisis in the church. Not enough good leaders. This was the highest percentage. 82% is one of the highest numbers or percentages of any global survey that Barna Group has ever done. That's my phone. <laughs> Don't answer it. I thought I'd turn it off. Sorry. But it's the highest percentage, 82% of any global survey that there's a leadership crisis. And what's happening, there's exiles in this age group from the church. There's four kinds. The prodigals, ex-Christians, the habitual churchgoers, 38%, the nomads, they're lapsed Christians, and the resilient disciples, 10%. Here's a description of those topics, those four. Next slide, please. Prodigals or ex-Christians do not identify themselves as Christians despite having attended a Protestant or Catholic church as a child or teen or having considered themselves to be a Christian at some time. That means they've pretty much walked away from the faith, though they grew up in the very church that their mom and dad were in and went to church on Sundays. This is the prodigal. The nomads or lapsed Christians identify themselves as Christians but not have not attended church during the past month. The vast majority of nomads haven't been involved with a faith community for over six or more months. They're always trying to find the right place that, feed, that feeds their needs, that doesn't challenge them, that lets them live their life the way they want. Habitual churchgoers describe themselves as Christian and have attended a church at least once in the past month, yet have not, do not have foundational core beliefs or behaviors, say behaviors, because it's easy to get core beliefs, it's hard to get core behaviors. Associated with being an intentional, engaged disciple. These are, the, these, are the, this, these are the people that are going around with everything, the knowledge they have, the scriptures they have, but their lifestyle does not reflect that from which they understand and, and understand and have memorized. So their lifestyle does not reflect the very thing that they think they portray. That people would look at them and say, well, you're saying all this stuff, but your life looks like this. And then there's the resilient, the 10% group, are Christians who attend church at least monthly and engage with their church more than just attending worship services. Trust firmly in the authority of the Bible, are committed to Jesus personally and affirm he was crucified and raised from the dead, conquered sin and death, and express to a desire to transform the broader society as an outcome of their faith. So these people are engaged in faith and they want to see transformation into, into their communities. Go to the next slide, please. So here's the priorities ranked. Now, they call them Gen Z and millennials. I get too confused with all that. I'm just saying 18 to 35. So wherever this, whatever that is. Here's the priorities ranked among these, this age group. Finish my education. Become financially independent. 
Start a career, finish education, start a career. Spiritual maturity ranks low on list of priorities for both of them. It's not, a, it's not an important part of their life is spiritual maturity. It's more of, when you read down there, uh, care, about, care about the poor and needy. Become more spiritually mature. What, see, they actually ask them about being spiritually mature and walking out this life to move into the um, committed disciple category. And that was such a low value for them because it made them have to make a change in their life. It made them have to say, I, I know these things, I've studied these things, but I don't want to live that way. It's too confining and it's no fun. So when you dig down into the notes, it becomes one of those things where you look and say, where are we not relaying the message of Jesus? Because the church is responsible. I'm responsible. You're, we're responsible. We've been in church and we have this message and the generations are waiting to see what baton we're passing them. In my business, my son works for me. He's 30 years old, smarter than I am. And I'm not just, he is smarter than I am. I've been doing this business 32 and a half years. He's been doing it six and he's smart. But when it comes to the ability to run it and take it, it's a different level of maturity. And so we are training him to take the reins of the company. But if he took the company now, it might crush him where he is because the responsibility of the relationships and the amount of money we manage and the people that we manage. And so we're working. He has my DNA, and he's watching. He's watching to see how I lead and what's important to me and what values I have because I'm going to pass the baton to him carrying the same values, not just because he's my son, but I'm going to pass the succession torch to him because he carries what I carry. Your name gets you so far, but your, what you carry gets you all the way. Because at the end of the day, the churches are handed down to sons and then grandsons and sons, not caring whether they carry the anointing of leadership, but they carry, they carry a message of generational wealth. And so what I want to understand is when, with my children and in the business and in the church, in the kingdom, what message are we passing down to the next generation? The church is becoming a sole proprietorship without a succession plan. Living for now and what's in it for me. I'm not just talking about leadership succession, but generational succession. It might look different. See, we, the, the next generation might look different, but the DNA is the same. The disciples look different than Jesus. Jesus poured into them. Timothy looked different than Paul, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. He did things differently. He looked differently. He had a different background than Timothy did. Timothy grew, grew up in the faith younger than Paul did. Everyone knows Paul's Damascus experience. He was killing Christians. Then all of a sudden, he, found, he got knocked off his donkey and became the author of more books in the, in the New Covenant than anybody else. But the, the ground he plowed made it easier for Timothy. But Timothy carried his DNA. He called him his son, even though he wasn't a blood son. He called him his son. There was something that was passionate about the passing of this torch. Because as I said earlier, God, that's, that's the heart of the Father, is to say, hey, well done, Pass. There's nothing like watching your children. If you don't have children, I hope this message speaks to the what you, how you want to raise your children. If you're not married and you don't have children, be encouraged. 
build the foundation that we didn't get to build. Kelly and I came into marriage with zero tools of understanding how to raise children. Zero tools. She, anyway, if, I, if she had zero, I had negative tools to raise a child. And so we had to learn, and we made mistakes. But what we're doing is we're taking it to where our children can hand off to their children something different. Not to be churchgoers, not to be religious, to believe God that he can do all things, that he can heal crooks in the neck, that he can actually move ribs, that he can, he can you know, the blind eyes can see, leopards are cleansed, that he actually still does that, that my children have seen it. Now, they're not completely walking in it, but they have seen it. I hope their children get to experience to a deeper level. That's the baton we want to pass on. Even though you might not see it in the flesh right now with your children. There's, there's kids here, there's kids here now and younger people that when I first started talking to them, you'd say no way would be, do, would be experiencing the things of God. And they're here today and they're testimony of the people here that I've spent time with. And I see the revelation of God moving in their lives and saying it, God got a hold of them and things changed overnight. Now, how does it look for their children? Much better than it did before. Because they're actually passing on something of value and power, not just an education. In your businesses, in your marriages, in, your, in, in this church, in the kingdom, have you found secession plans that actually are passing down something other than a church service? That you're actually passing down DNA. See, the next generation puts their best, foot for, their best life forward and feels awkward to share and let anyone know they're hurting or broken. It directly correlates to the increased suicide and drug addiction rate and social media addiction and video game addiction. It's a deflection of, I'd, I'd rather go to those things than to go to God. Because God is a powerless source of education. He's not this, this all-powerful, uh, earth-moving God that I've experienced because that's their experience. And the crazy thing about it is our children and our churchgoers, if, if they don't see leaders or their moms and dads or their bosses experiencing something, that is more powerful than what they've experienced, they're going to keep their experience right where it is. Are, they, are your kids seeing something in you about your faith in Christ that actually moves them to want more? In your business, to whoever's below, below you that you're going to succeed, do they see something? That they, want to, they want to wake up when you're gone or when you hand it off. They want to wake up in the morning because, to do what you do because they see the way you do it. In the church, in the kingdom, do the people you disciple spend time with, it doesn't matter if they're younger or older, do they get excited about meeting with you because something's happening in their life to where they become, they're becoming freer and freer and more powerful and more powerful and understand who they are as a son and a daughter? Because if it's not waking you up to do something, it's not going to wake up the next generation to do anything. And that's what I think is missing in the church. That's what I think is missing in, not, not so much in businesses, but in church and in family. Because if your kids aren't excited about what God's doing in your life, how do you get them to be, expect them to be excited about what God's not doing in their life? How do you have answers for something like, that's what I love about Christy, we don't know all the answers, but we know he's good. Do our kids, does the church, does the body know he is good regardless of the circumstances? Or are they just sitting here hoping something's going to change? 
I want, I want people to believe that he's so good that they have this expectation that, man, when God shows up, things are going to move. And that the people we spend time with, the people in my life, that they have the same expectation as I do. That God's going to show up and move on people. Because if not, we're going to pass something to the next generation that they have to deal with. It's almost like the debt crisis in this country. Every Congress since I started voting in 1980, I don't, and this is not a Republican-Democrat statement. This is both. No one cares about what we're about to give our grandchildren. And they say it every year for the last 40 years I've voted. But nobody wants to do anything about it because they're here enjoying the now. And I don't see a lot of difference in collectively as a church, as, a, as the church, that we're concerned about the next generation. We talk about it, but what are we giving them? See, if we're going to pass something on with my son in business, with my kids, and in the kingdom, it's not just that we're passing down the, the job itself, but it's are you carrying the fire? Are you carrying the fire? In the kingdom of God, yes, you have, to, you have to be spiritually, emotionally, relationally mature. You have to know the scriptures. You have to know the word. But are you carrying fire? Are you stewarding the fire that, that the next generation goes, I got it, and they can steward it? Or are we just focused on the fire and not maturity? Or are we just focused on maturity and not the fire, which is the power of God? My son, I want him to wake up in the morning going, I can't wait to get to work because we're going to build something better and stronger and I'm going to go further than what my dad built. That's my prayer for him. I want him to wake up going, I want to build something bigger now. With my, our children, how many of you wake up and go, I hope my children are not as successful as me? See, that's, but God's heart is, I hope all my children succeed. As a parent, as a non-parent, going to be a parent, you want to see your children succeed better than you. <clears throat> and you would sacrifice anything to see that happen. <clears throat> but why wouldn't we do that for our spiritual children? When I'm dead, I want to, see this, I want to be up in heaven watching this church change the world. <clears throat> I want services to be packed, packed out because people are getting healed set free, delivered. I want to see people just walk in the door and all of a sudden their lives change, on, uh, falling under the power of the anointing. I don't want to just do a church service, but I want to watch from heaven. But I don't want to watch from heaven. I want to watch now. <clears throat> I want to see it now because collectively people come together and go, I believe in a bigger thing than what churches has been represented to me, but I'm believing that God's going to do everything that he says in his word, not just a few things, that I actually have the faith to see lives transformed. Drug addicts set free, pornographers set free, adulterers set free, cheaters set free. Everything that we can possibly think of, of any book of sin, be set free when they walk in. Because that's the church, that's the fire that I want to pass off to the next generation. But how do we do that? Does, does social media reflect our life? Does it reflect your life? What are we reflecting to the younger generation? What are we reflecting to our children? I know this, that my children don't want an education. They want to see a demonstration of what I believe. 
I mean, one thing, Kelly and I, we're close to our children and all their faults, you know. Um, we're close to all our children and all their faults. We know their lives. They share their lives. They tell us stuff we don't want to know. <laughs> but my point is they come to us knowing, and this was, hasn't always been the case. I mean, you know, when they were younger, probably they had more fear of me. Because if, if you've been here more than six months, you've heard me share my testimony. I was a very angry elf. <clears throat> but they come to us, and we, we get to know them, and know, and each one of them are different, even though they came from just two same people. Each one of them are different. They have a different call in their life. And so the, the, the torch, we're not, I'm not passing all to all three children this business torch. I'm passing them a generational anointing of knowing that God is good, he's powerful, and he still moves today. And no matter what your circumstances, he can show up and change it. But no matter if he, they're changed or not, he's still good. That if they can believe that in the midst of all their stuff, that they'll continue to do what Paul says and continue the race. They run the race of life and not give up and not get discouraged, not slow down, but keep pressing forward, as Paul says, to the prize. That there's, there's something about instilling in the next generation, whether it's our children or in their kingdom, the people, the future leaders, that there's a passion that drives what we do far beyond ourself, far beyond our cocoon of need. Paul needed food in prison, and he was still writing letters to the churches. He was getting beaten, but still preaching the gospel. There was things that the, the people that went before us did that allowed us to be doing what we're doing today and actually take advantage of it in a, in a, in a less, um, in a very luxurious way. I think it's one of those, what I'm trying to say is that people have plowed the ground before us that made the ground easier for, other, for us to plow. That's what we do for our children. That's what we do in, my, in our businesses. That's what we do in the kingdom. I can name so many men that's spoken to my life that have plowed ground that kept me from having to plow that hard ground. And you see it all through Scripture. Because I just don't want to educate my children. I want to demonstrate God's love. In 2 Timothy... Timothy was a book that Paul wrote to Timothy. And it's one of my favorite books because it's a goodbye letter from a father. That's, what I, that's how it speaks to me. And it's like, this, this is what's important. I'm going to be gone soon, and this is what's important. And if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read out of the, no, never mind. I'm going to read out of the mirror, so it doesn't matter. You couldn't follow me. But 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, or 2.1, 2.2. 2. Um, and it, what, I, what I want to say to one first is because he starts it off with Timothy, my son. I mean, he's just going, okay, boy, here it is. What you've learned from me is not a theory. You have witnessed. Everyone say witnessed. This is, this is one of those things where I want people to understand that language in the Bible is, is intentional. That it wasn't the things I taught you in the synagogue the things you memorized on my chalkboard, it was the things you witnessed, that, that he actually saw Paul live this life out loud. 
it was, it, you, you cannot disciple from the pulpit. You cannot disciple from writing a good book, though it helps. I'm not against books. You can't by writing a good program. It helps. But it's what are you witnessing? Let me continue. He says, you have witnessed ample evidence that confirms the integrity of my message. What is the integrity of our message? What's the integrity of your message? There's times in my, in my life that my children probably did not want to imitate or witness the integrity of my message. So what is it? They're watching. See the future of this gospel in, in everyone you influence. Their persuasion is also their competence to instruct others in the same way. He was giving him guidance to instruct others and saying, these things you've witnessed before me, things you've seen me do, teach these to faithful men and women and have them go do it to others. Because I can give someone a book, say, read this book, and it's about fixing carburetors. Christy, fix this. Here you go. She reads Fix the Carburetor. Now, go teach David Hormiger how to fix a carburetor. Well, I've never fixed a carburetor, but I've read about it. But if I'm sitting there and I'm walking her through how to fix a carburetor, which I can't do, that's laughable, this is my analogy. But if I'm walking her through it and she has her hands on it and she's working it, now she can go teach David. There's this thing that we try to skip out into the gospel that we can just talk to people about things instead of living life. But I haven't seen one person in the, in the scriptures that just studied, except the rabbis. Remember the old thing, being covered in the dust of your rabbi, that you're, you're so close, you memorize everything he says, and you can regurgitate it, but guess what? That produced more law. But relationship produces more freedom and fruit. Because it's, it's actually tangibly being able to witness and duplicate. Turn your Bibles to uh, Philippians 3, 4. Paul here, what I love about Paul, he's just so honest. His Facebook page would be brutally honest. Um, and he, So here he is. He's, he's talking about righteousness through faith in Christ. But in 4, he said, though I, I, I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has reason to have confidence in the flesh, I have more. This is great. He's just going, hey, you might have confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as, is, as to zeal, I persecuted the church. You know, pretty much he's saying, I killed Christians. I watched Stephen get stoned. As to the righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, my Lord. For his sake I suffered the loss of things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Here he, he's telling the Philippian church, hey, I had everything you had. I was, I was the cat's meow when it came to being an Israelite and Hebrew. I count it all rubbish. Because when we're looking for stature in the world, we're going to go to the things that work for the world. But what he's saying, that's counted all rubbish to be gained to gain Christ. 
See, we're so confused because we have the world throwing stuff at us on social media that we have to look a certain way, be a certain way, act a certain way. We go to church, we're supposed to look a certain way. You know, not cuss, not drink, not smoke. You know, if it's bad for your health, don't do it. But my point is, is that we have all these don'ts that we do, so we come here and put on our shiny selves, and we're not allowing to look what I believe is supposed to be the for 2020, this vulnerability, this transparency, this authenticity that the next generation can see because they're so afraid of authenticity. Even the older generations, we're all afraid of it. But if we could actually come to a point of authenticity, it would open up hearts that we will count all that rubbish to gain Christ, to gain freedom. Because I would tell you this, if I asked each and every one of you that have your, have your phones and have Facebook, Instagram and all that, which I have them all, that if you have them, and I asked you, if you put all that away and get rid of it, and I promise you, and God, and God would come down here and sin and goes, I will give you freedom, joy, and peace. How many would throw your phones away? Raise your hand. <laughs> because that's what Paul was saying, I count it as rubbish. To the joy of knowing Christ. That's what passes to the next generation. Because if we're passing the same thing, if they see us continuously in our phone, wondering if we're getting likes, what are they going to do? If they see you on a video game tw- five hours a day, what are they going to do? It's the, They're going to watch what we do, and they're going to mimic what we do. So go with me down to uh, verse 12. Not that I've already attained this or am I already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Mature, I spoke on that two weeks ago out of Ephesians 4, that Spiritual maturity, we're looking for spiritual maturity and that we can stir our gifts on spiritual, relational, emotional maturity because if we're not spiritually, emotionally, or relationally mature or maturing, our gift can be a weapon because we'll use it as a weapon. And so what he's talking about here is that, it's, is that who are mature think this way. So what would he say the opposite? The immature think the opposite way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what, what, he, uh, what we have attained. I think that um, when I read these verses, I see a man that came out of a life that only pe- when people saw him and they even testified, isn't that the man that killed Christians? And they were afraid of him. Even the, some of the apostles were afraid of him. And he transformed the world from a testimony of what God did in his life through some of the most traumatic stuff. Watch, there's a, there's a guy named Paul Lynn who's, who I'm friends with, and he was in prison and got out, and now he's ministering. They set up prison ministry. You know, one of the things that we've always known is when people come out of prison and they get saved, people are afraid of them, just like Paul. But this man carries an anointing that has transformed a, one of the most violent prisons in the state of Texas because he took the baton and carried the fire. 
He took the baton and carried the fire and said, listen, I want everything that God has for me to download into me, but I want to carry the fire. I want to see Holy Spirit move. I just don't want to talk to him about God. I want to see God move and see these guys where prisoners are worshiping, prisoners are praying for one another. Rival gangs are no longer killing each other or actually celebrating one another. The gangs don't know what to do with them now. You know, I'm going to shank you. I'll pray for you. I mean, what do you do with that in prison? But that's what moves people, is the love of God, the power of God. And that's what he's passing down. Because if we're not passing something of power down, you know, I I don't know what we do. Let me give you an example. And I hope this this works. Imagine, you know, 100 yards. And this is life, a generation. And we have to take this fire we're carrying and we have to go to the other side, and we have to walk through life circumstances. We have to walk through life. And we have to light the fire to the next generation that we see. Someone with the spiritual maturity, relational, emotional of a two-year-old, what are they going to do? They're going to look at it, and they're going to fall, they're going to burn somebody with it. You can just see them going, hi, look, mm, and, you know, putting the fire out, and they're going to fall down, and it's going to go out. They're not going to be able to pass the, pass the torch. You find someone with a spiritual, emotional, relational maturity of a 12, 13-year-old, what are they going to do? They're going to run as fast as they can. Not caring about their maturity, they're going to run as fast as they can and fall down. You find a 21-year-old, he's going to be flipping the torch like, no big deal. But you find someone with maturity, and they're going to, they're going to take this torch, and they're going to walk, and they're going to understand the wind can blow it out, the circumstances of life. They're going to understand that Someone, it can rain, they're going to cover it up. And they're going to carry it, and they're going to steward the fire. Danny Silk says it this way, we all want to light the fire, but we have no place to put it. He goes, you know, you need a, a fireplace, not to contain it, just to steward it. So it can, it can continue to glow and light. See, we have to have all these things that this is what an, the, this next generation wants to see, an authentic, transparent move of God with power. 1 Corinthians you know, 2, 1 through 5, it's tattooed on my arm. It's one of my, it's my, one of my life verses, and I'll paraphrase. It says, all I preach is Christ crucified, so that your faith does not rest on the wisdom of men, but the power of God. It's, it's a passion of mine. The people, their faith would rest on the power of God, not just the wisdom of men. That people can get transformed when they encounter a God, but they encounter it. For some crazy reason, God's plan was us. He wanted to use us. And that means not just us in this room, as you know. Us, the body of Christ. To see lives transformed. And the one thing that I, that I notice is that if we're offering our fruit... We cannot judge our own fruit. So when we have a generation that's 60, one other stat, 64% of that generation doesn't come to church. They don't think it's power. There's power there. Their life doesn't change. They're bored, and it's not relevant to them. I mean, there's so many reasons, but 64% of that generation doesn't go, have any type of community faith. That's the generation we're passing something off to. Are we handing them something that can actually transform their lives, that can change their mind when they encounter God? Are we handing off something that's just the same generation that we got it from? Are we doing something different? Are we modeling for our children? 
Are they seeing more of an education at church, or are they seeing more of a move and a demonstration? It's not just what you teach. It's not just what you teach them. It's what you live with them. You've got to live it with people in your business, your employees. Would your, if, you, if you did a 360 review, would your employees say, or your boss, or your coworkers say that how you are in the office reflects who you say you are? So we've got to live this out. That's how our fruit is judged. You'll know a tree by its fruit. I tell people all the time, you know, I'm going to, I can't judge my own fruit. I'm going to give Christy my fruit. She's going to bite of it. It's either going to bring life or death. I'm not the judge of it. She is. If it brings life, eat up. If it brings death, run away. But that's the thing is that we can't be the judge of what we're passing on. The next generation, whoever grabs the baton gets to decide if they want to run with it. And if it's something that's bringing life to them, they will grab it and run. If it's bringing death, they will run from the church at 64%. So what is it that we're passing off? Are we passing off something that brings life in our businesses, in our families? Do our kids want to run, want, want to be engaged? Is, there, is one of their thoughts when something goes wrong is, I need to call my parents or I need to pray? Or is it, I need to Google? As crazy as that sounds, that's part of life for them. But are we passing something they want to run with? Are they going, yes, give it to me, let's go? Or are they saying, no, not for me? That's our challenge. That's our challenge as a church. That's our challenge as the body of Christ. See, God walked with Adam. That was the original design. All through the Bible, it's about passing it on. And I've shared those names, you know, all the way from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to the, um, to the, to the prophets, to Timothy, from Paul. See, my life is to live for God in the now. That's, that's my desire for my life, to know him as he is today, powerful, living inside us, that there's nothing he can't do, my life is about living with my wife, second, and my children, my friends, my business, people, and the people and the generation that he's put in my life to steward. I'm not here to steward every generation. I'm here to steward the generations and the different generations that God puts in my life. And the question is, what do we, how are we stewarding that? Are we steward, how, every one of you, has generational influence in some sphere, whether you know it or not. You profess Christ, people are watching you. How are you stewarding what God's given you? Are you, are you maintaining the, the education, or are you maintaining only the fire, or are you maintaining both? Because if you only maintain the education aspect, which is good, you need to know the word, that's the truth. You know, Jesus is the word, but you need to know the written word to know what truth is and what truth is not. You need to see God moving powerfully, because if God's not moving powerfully, everyone's getting educated, but nothing's trans transforming. But if you're only using the fire, the fire is going to burn a lot of people because you don't know what's real and what's God, what's God and what's not. 
So there's this combination that we need to pass, that the baton that we're passing has word and power to it that the next generation can pick up. Because it's our responsibility. I, I just have this thing when I'm going to get up there and the Lord's go, what would you do with what I gave you? What about your talents? And one of my biggest things that I think of and he's passionate about, that he's put a passion on my heart is about the next generation. Not any more passionate than my, my living in the now with him. Not more passionate than my, my wife or my children. But it's probably more passionate than a lot of other things in my life. It's a high value to see the next generation go beyond what we've experienced. That we actually can see leopards cleansed, dead raised on a continuous basis like they did back then. That I don't think, believe God put it in the Bible and it's not true. That actually that we can see dead men walk. We can see the blind see. We can see those things. He's a supernatural God. If he, can, if, if he can't do that, why can I count on him to change my heart? It's amazing we can believe he can change my heart, but he can't make the lame walk or the blind see. Because if he can't do that, then my heart can't change. So what are we doing here? So I either, you're all in, and you believe it or all out, and if so, that's the baton I want to pass. I want my kids to know you can go all in with God. He will not let you down. He will not disappoint. When you are faithless, he is faithful. When you, when you feel like you're unloved, he's pursuing you from the, like the hounds of heaven. That he's actually running after you in your darkest hole. How many of you have been in a dark hole before? I'm raising my hand. And whether it took five minutes, one hour, or 15, 20, 30 years, if, you, if you're here, you have a 100% survival rate, and he came after you. Because I promise you, it wasn't on him. He was there. He was there in your hole. He was there in your addiction. He was there in everything you've done in your worst moment, waiting on you to turn and see him, and say yes. And when you said yes, somehow you ended up at 1301 Wilshire on this day. You just did. We've only had really one guy that I'm aware of walk in here after being an addict all his life, after you know, being, clean, you know, being clean for a little bit, and that's Peyton. Yeah. It was, and when I tell people um, stories about the house church and how we used to, Kelly and I would clean the house and set up chairs every week for four years on Sunday. They said, you know, why do you do it? And one of, one of my continual answers to them was because Peyton sat in a chair one day and got saved. That man right there who testifies the day of doing great things sat in a chair that Kelly and I set up, and he got saved. Erica White comes walking in, cursing off Jesus. We set up a chair, and she got saved, delivered, and set free, and now is in ministry. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it's rejoicing in the little things of the generation of what you're called to do and watch Watch people come in and change the world. There's guys in this place that I spend a lot of time with, you know, that I've spent years with that, you know, I could have sat down and gone, okay, today we're going to go through the book of John. John, the lover of God. Jesus' favorite. 
I could have gone through all the scriptures. It would have been good. I'm not a teacher, but I love the book of John. It's one of my favorite books. But I actually had to live life with them. I had to live life with them to get to know them. As Paul got to know Timothy, you have to live life with people. Just like when Chuck and Anna came. One of the first things I said to him, if I don't see any of your junk in the first year, I'm going to be angry. Because I want to know people. I want to know their struggles. I want to know what, what they're battling with. I want to know what their needs are. I want to know where to pray. I want to know to see what God's going to do. Why? Because they're the next generation. And even the older people in here, you're still, it's not about age. It's about, I want to see the people in here that are older come into their best life yet because they encountered something they've never encountered before and their ministry. Paul, I mean, think about how some of the guys in the Bible were older than, than uh, 35. I mean, I'm 55. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't usually check lineage and age. I, it's just not, I don't get in a lot of detail like that. But I do know that guys were changing life older, older in, uh, in their older years. So what is it that you want to pass on? I want to pass on something that the next generation wants to grab. I want to pass on something my kids want to grab. I want to pass on something that when you walk into your office, things change. People shift. You actually shift the atmosphere in your office because you're carrying something they, they want. Whether, I don't care if the person in your office is 78 or 8. You walk into that office and something shifts, almost like, wow, I'm glad you're, I, I couldn't wait for you to get here because you're carrying something that no one else carries. And in your family that they're actually glad to see you because you, when you come home, not just husbands, when anyone comes home, children come home because you're carrying something, that you actually are on fire for something. And then in the church, I look and I, it's funny is when people, when pe- I, 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 I get to speak up here so I get to see a lot of faces and I see new faces, but then I see a lot of faces. When I don't see a face for a while, I go, I wonder where they've been. Not because we take attendance because it's like, I see each and everybody here individually made, created by God for a certain purpose, and I hope someone in here has the keys to unlock you that you can carry a fire. Because the next generation depends on it. And guess what? In the now, Christ in us now, we depend on it. San Antonio depends on it. Texas depends on it. On you being unlocked to realize how God values you, who you are, and what you carry. And that how you pass that on to the next generation is important to him. Because it was important all through the scriptures. Generations are important to him. And they need to be important to us. Not just the Christmas God that says, get, you know, what can I get now? I'm not being fed. I need to do this. I need to go here. But actually the God that says, I'm more than enough and I can give you more enough to give out. It might not be money and gold, but what I do have, get up and take up your mat and walk. You can change the world in so many ways. Find out what way God wants you to and pass that torch to somebody. Light them on fire. Stand with me. One of the things that I, when I look out at every one of you, I see that here's the best part about you all have a desire to do something. I'm not talking about work. I'm saying you feel this God-given call to do something. 
and something stops us from doing that. Something just doesn't, it's like a car has a God-given creation to move. And when it doesn't, we, sometimes it needs a jump. Something needs to jump us into action to have a passion for the next generation, to have a passion for what we're called to do first, for a passion to get to a place of, of a process of growing spiritually, relationally, and emotionally mature, carrying fire. It's all a training ground. We're gonna, I'm going to be trained to the day I die. So are you. But are we going to engage in this process that we can pass something on to the next generation? Because if we're going to just eat and consume what we have in the now, I don't want it. I want to bring enough food to pass to the next generation so they understand how we eat. That they actually can draw strength from what we eat and what we give out. That the 64% goes to 5%. That That the prodigals come home. That the next generation wants to grab it and run. And we can sit there and applaud them on the way as a cloud of witnesses saying, run. Here in the church, same thing. We're not going to be here forever. We're not going to lead this thing all the time. It's getting behind the people that do and carry on and carry the fire. It might look different, but it'll have the same DNA, I promise you that. But it might look different. Is that going to make you uncomfortable? My thing is, find out exactly who you are in Christ. Find out the call that he has on your life. Find out what it is he's called you to do. Find out why you're not doing it, and let's do that. Because I promise you, when you walk into your God-given talent, when you walk into your God-given calling, the fruit that's going to come from your life, the joy of the Lord that's going to come from your life, it's going to transform every aspect of your life. Your relationships, your family, your business, it's going it's to open up your eyes to something you've never opened up, you've never seen before. So, Father God, I just pray and declare a new day for everyone here. Father, give them eyes for generations, but more importantly right now, give them eyes for themselves, to see themselves as you see them, to see themselves as how you created them, the gifts you put in their life. Father, give them them clear sight into how you created them and why. Father, give them that spark, awaken them, resources, the spark to do just what you have shown them right now in their eyes. Spark it now that they may run the race with endurance. They may finish the race. They may, whether they didn't start well, they will finish well. Father, just like you said to the Philippians, I don't look what's behind, but I run forward to what's ahead. May you be forerunners. May you run continuously forward, not looking at all the junk behind you. I pray your memories be erased and your joy be complete in knowing that he has taken care of that. It's on the cross. May you see things that have anchored you. Now the chain's cut that make you, that you can actually run free. And may the joy of the Lord be your strength, no matter where you are in life and where you are on this journey. And may you be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to, to steward the fire that you can pass to the next generation. In Jesus' name. 